Amidst all the glitz and the glamour and the blockbuster pizzazz, the Padres' Big Four has been a disaster in 2023, and we got to talk about why, especially as of late. Uh, the Big Four for the Padres, whether or not they need to consider shaking things up, just the overall vibes in general. That's right. It's a little bit of a sad podcast today, but still going to be fun. Let's get to it. You are locked on Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Tuesday, August 29th. As always, I'm your host with sometimes occasionally, but I promise you, certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You can find me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. And if you're so inclined, you can check out the at L-O underscore Padres account for the show, Lockdown Padres, man. That's the podcast you're listening to. I got something in my tooth. Hmm. There we go. Uh, and then also you can follow, find me on uh, YouTube, Lockdown Padres on YouTube. Just search it up. Recently been getting some more traction there. If you want to see my shirt, I'm rocking a, a Bullworth Academy brown and yellow shirt today. Uh, one, because it's brown and yellow for the Padres. And two, because uh, if you guess that reference, then uh, I will heart your comment in below. So go and check that out. Um, today's episode, guys, is brought to you by Sleeper. Swing for the fences on Sleeper Picks, and you could win up to 100 times your money. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. Folks, it's a it's a... This is, this is a little bit of a cathartic episode, dare I say. I think that this episode, we're going to be talking about the Padres' big four. Obviously, Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis Jr., Manny Machado, and Xander Bogarts. How they've performed this year, and how they've performed of late. And just general vibes of the team. Um, before we get into that, though, I just want to quickly mention, I got some comments and messages and then uh, comments on the YouTube channel about yesterday's episode that I just want to emphasize that yesterday, when I was talking about caring, that like, I am not someone who I, I very much did not say that I approve of saying uh, that these guys don't try and that they are that they give up and that they don't care. I, I, I just want to emphasize that because we're going to be talking about specifically the, the big four and them getting paid and all that stuff. Right. I just want to emphasize like I, that's not what I was saying. I was saying, if anything, that, you know, like I actually think it was really healthy. Uh, I, I wasn't happy to see Manny Machado lose his anger because uh, loses cool and destroy that poor water cooler as he said in quotes uh shouldn't have taken it out on a cooler poor cooler <laughs> which is an amazing quote by the way i love it i think it's adorable <laughs> um that i wasn't saying oh finally i get to see that may machado cares no my reaction was rather that i was just like oh great like he had a release you need that you know what i mean that's kind of what we're designed to do i think it's healthy for humans to kind of have a a release in some form, you know what I mean? Of the, all that pent up frustration and stress, like you don't want to keep it bottled in. So if anything, I just thought it was healthy. Uh, I did not look at that as a, oh, okay. That confirmed to me that Manny Machado cares. You know what I mean? That's just not a, again, we're all projecting. And I think it's a mistake to be body language doctors uh, when all we see is the games on TV and what's going on in public. So I think that's a mistake. That being said, 
Let's talk about Manny Machado and the rest of the um, the core four of the Padres. Look, a, a lot of people have joked about the Yankees' core four before and how they can be overrated. And when there are rumors of a documentary, Last Dance style, for the core four, people shot that down. I think somewhat rightfully so. And the Padres' big four has been dreadful um, in basically every single way that you can amount to, um, with the exception of a couple things. Uh, this Padres' big four has been massively disappointing. And I think that... We're going to be doing an episode about A.J. Preller later this week, so I'm not going to focus too much on him. And that sort of reality of his his decision to make this team built around these four guys. But, you know, this is almost like a defense of A.J. Preller, dare I say. And what I mean by that is A.J. Preller has a lot to be blamed for that we will talk about um, later on in the week. But he didn't tell the San Diego Padres' top four hitters in their lineup to all be almost equally as bad um, this whole season. Uh, the vibes have been bad, and the numbers have been bad as well. I think everyone's been following, for the most part. But the Padres this year, it's pretty amazing that Hassan Kim is the leader in F4. Um, part, part of that is because he's taken just this almost unprecedented by Padres standards, particularly, which we've talked about a lot, how nobody seems to get better. They either stay the same or get worse when they join the Padres. That Hassan Kim, and hilariously enough, Gary Sanchez, by the way. <laughs> St. Gary, killing it yet again, by the way. I think he had uh, two RBIs last night. So shouts to my guy, St. Gary. Absolutely killing it. Uh, love him so much. Those are like the only exceptions for Padres that seem to have gotten better on the offensive side of things. Which is not a good sign. It's also really funny that Gary Sanchez decided to get better. He'll be like the one player that gets better from joining the Padres. It's such a, a Gary Sanchez thing. But this year, Hassan Kim leads an F4. And part of that is not because say Juan Soto has been terrible, but rather that Hassan Kim has been good on both ends of the, the both ends of the ball. Um, he's been a great defender, obviously. He has great versatility. He's got good base running, and he's evolved as a hitter, as we talked about last week with the home runs, with his ability to see more pitches, etc. So that was a good development. If I told you that Hassan Kim would make this leap before the season, everyone would have been like, oh my God, Not this isn't a question of if we were good, it's a question of how good. Did we win 98 games? Did we win 96? What, what was it, Javi? And then I would tell you, well, we finished below 500. Allegedly, potentially. They would have to go, I believe, 20 and 7 the rest of the way of the Padres in order to uh, fit 500. So 81 and 81, which is incredible. And unless they had like a historic all-timer run. Uh, even greater than what the Mariners are doing right now, they're going to miss the playoffs. So, again, I've been out ever since that first Diamondback series that they lost uh, last week, or the week before, whichever week it was. Uh, the one where they played the D-backs, then the Orioles, then the D-backs again. That first of those two. That's when I was officially like, nope, it's over. The end. Um, but it turns out that the rest of the Padres lineup just hasn't been good enough and it's a really a shame. Now, on the surface level, the Padres' offensive numbers aren't the worst you've ever seen. Garrett Cooper, with the team, um, after being traded for at the deadline, actually has a 146 WRC+. He's been good. He's been very good. It took him a, a second at the beginning. He wasn't making good contact. And unfortunately, G-Man Choi hasn't been very good for the team. I believe he has like a... He just hasn't been playing enough. Yeah, he has a 20... He has a 36 WRC+. So, shouts to G-Man Choi, who remains hitless. In his Padres tenure so far. Awesome. 313 on base, though. He loves walking. Anyway, um, but in terms of WRC+, unsurprisingly, Juan Soto leaves the team with a 145. The problem is that he's been awful offense, uh, defensively. 
Uh, and then the rest of the big four, Fernando Tatis Jr. is rocking a 117 WRC+, Manny Machado on 113, and Xander Bogarts a 105. In theory, those numbers are not terrible. But when you especially take the WRC plus numbers to their unprecedented ability to be not clutch, that's what has been the problem with the Padres lineup, right? So like in a vacuum, those guys, that those aren't terrible numbers. But when I'm seeing Matthew Batten perform better, and no offense to Hassan Kim, but even Hassan Kim, when Luis Campuzano, who the team has been just seemingly adamant about never giving playing time until recently uh, when they discovered this platoon of Gary Sanchez and um, Luis Campuzano, Another thing that if I told you before the season that we'd have two catchers who could hit well offensively and not be that libelous defensively, you'd be like, oh my God, we won 106 games, right? Instead, no, right? Um, so you take that into account. You know, Trent Grisham, he's got a 93 WRC+, plus, so only slightly better than last year. He started hitting a little bit of a, a run uh, recently, and I remember saying on this podcast, don't get excited about it because it's just a two-week, three-week sample size, and then look what happened. He started calming down. Um, and then Jake Cronenworth, who the team had just extended, has been bad too. But this isn't about them. It's about the big four. And the Padres' big four this year, I mean, I already mentioned those offensive numbers. The only reason Xander Bogarts has like a positive, decent-looking F4 at 2.7 and will fi probably finish around three, which isn't the worst thing that's ever happened, is because he's had his moments. Uh, he's been okay defensively, right? He hasn't been libelous at all, um, especially with Hassan Kim there, which helps cover up some things. But... Uh, Xander Bogarts hasn't been that bad, that bad defensively. But Xander Bogarts, um, over the last um, like five, six years, one of the more consistent bats. That's why when they signed him in the offseason, while it wasn't the move I wanted to make, um, I was on record about that. I, in fact, I was on record about not necessarily wanting to trade for Juan Soto. My thing about Bogarts was, okay, at least this guy has been pretty damn consistent for a while now. Since 2018, he hasn't had a WRC plus below 129, which is excellent. His wins above replacement level has been like a 4, 4-3, and then he had a 6 last year, especially because of his elite um, defensive output that he had. And then this year, he has a 105, uh, which is the lowest he's had since 2017 uh, with the Red Sox when he just was... Probably similarly bad in a lot of ways. Like, this is eerily similar to his 2017 season when he just had a down year. Um, the year before that, he had a 114 and 111 for what it's worth. So, Xander Bogarts has, at the minimum, had a pretty good offensive season before. But when you take into account that WRC plus mark and into account his just anemic abilities with runners on base and runners in scoring position like the rest of the Padres, that's what's amounted to disappointment. In fact, speaking of... With runners in scoring position, guys. Holy hot damn. That's the thing that we got to talk about next because, my God. M my God. Let me tell you, uh, the numbers aren't great, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but before we get into that, just before, I need to talk to you about what I just talked to you about at the top of the show. That's Sleeper. It's a great app. I love it. I love it for fantasy football. I love the little quality of life things that they have. My league, we're officially in. Still waiting for a couple people to join because they're lazy and refuse to just click join on the league. But no matter, uh, good vibes there uh, with uh, Sleeper. I love how they just give you all the stats for previous years. If you're playing fantasy, they give you the game log. You can see the fantasy output. If you're having that conversation with your friends where you're like, yeah, I lost to Justin Jefferson when he dropped like 48 points on me. And you're like, no, he did it. And it's like, yeah, he did. And then you go back and look up the games and you can see that. Anyway, maybe I'm the only one that has those conversations, but Sleeper helps you out. You know what I mean? They let you do mock drafts, all sorts of things in the app. It's great for fantasy. Easily the best platform in my experience. And guys, they're big on the old daily fantasy. If you want to, you know, take your... Take your picks. Their dynamic payouts are live. 
In short, each player projection now has a multiplier attached to it, as opposed to preset multipliers based on the number of legs in a contest. With dynamic payouts also comes stat categories to place contests on. You can get higher payouts than other apps with less picks. It's really, really cool. And if we're looking at someone that I might recommend taking tonight, uh, I think personally, just personally, I think that the Padres, who play, for my sake, uh, pretty early on the, on the East Coast, I'm thinking... Four and a half strikeouts for Seth Lugo. I kind of like the over on that, man. I kind of like the over on that. And if you're if you're feeling like you, you really hate this team and you want to just suffer and all that stuff, then I might consider taking just any sort of step. Now they've got you know over two and a half walks for Zach Thompson. Don't know if I want to go in the, in the walk direction, but I'm just saying like. The Padres have been very good at having a nice win and then losing very horribly the next day, especially to pitchers that you wouldn't expect them to lose to. So look into Zach's tops and stuff. But everybody, of course, that is Sleeper, and it is just so legendarily good. Use promo code Locked On and you'll get up to $100 matched on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. And we're back, everybody here on the Lockdown Padres podcast. Be sure to give us and make us your first listen every day, free and available on all platforms. And be sure to check out SiriusXM, where you can listen to the play-by-play broadcast for the Padres, your hometown broadcast. It's good stuff, man. So go check out SiriusXM. Let's get back to the the core four, big four. I don't know which one to call them. I, I keep, sorry, East Coast bias, whatever, with the Yankees happens. Um... The Padres hitters were the runners on base this year. Everyone knows how dreadful they've been um, when it comes to runners on base, when it comes to the big four especially. I think that the Padres are, how do I put this? They've just like every single scenario that players of this caliber, players that are superstars, in the case of Xander Bogart, someone who's literally won a World Series before. Uh, it's been disheartening uh, seeing how a lot of them have hit with runners in scoring position. In fact... Runners in scoring position, their batting averages and whatnot this year have been pretty dreadful. Um, Fernando Tatis Jr. has actually been quite good uh, with runners in scoring position this year. He's got a 193 WRC+, which feels crazy, but it's true. And then Gary Sanchez and Jay Cronenworth have not been as bad. But then Manny Machado, Hassan Kim, and then, of course, Soto. Uh, Unless I'm reading these numbers wrong, am I crazy? Fangraph's got to be messing with me. Xander Bogarts has a 43 WRC+, with runners in scoring position this year. Juan Soto has an 80 WRC plus. I thought Juan Soto was hitting okay with runners in scoring position, at least until recently. All right, maybe I'm looking, maybe I'm doing something wrong. Am I doing something wrong? Ah, I see what I'm doing so wrong. I'm looking at only the stats <laughs> from from the beginning of August. I knew something was wrong. I was like, well, what's going on here? I know he hasn't been that bad. Um, if you want to take the numbers in terms of uh, since the beginning of the season, though. Since the beginning of the season, with runners in scoring position, of course, the Padres have been pretty bad. Now, Tatis is hitting 309. He's been great. And then Juan Soto is hitting 278. May Machado, 263. But that's only because Greatly was inflated by the fact that he had an outstanding July. Uh, that's been a big part of this. Um, like, really bounced back. Machado, after having three months being pretty miserable at the plate, has managed to somewhat redeem that overall number, probably just because of his great August. Um, which I've mentioned multiple times. It stinks, but it do be true. 
um, <laughs> when it comes to Manny Machado this year. And it's weird because last year Manny Machado was unbelievably clutch. Yeah, like I said, uh, he had a 309, 414, 681 slugging percentage um, slash line uh, in July. Before then, he didn't have an on-base percentage above 300. Just to give you a little bit of an idea, in April and May, he hit 233 and 217. So not great for Manny Machado. But the big thing here is Xander Bogarts, Matt Carpenter, Hassan Kim is hitting only 232 with runners on base, which might be give credence to why they decided to move him to being a leadoff hitter. But nonetheless, uh, Trent Grisham not as great. Jake Cronenworth, he's about the same. But like for the most part, and then Xander Bogarts is the biggest one. So let's talk about Bogarts a little bit, shall we? Who doctor? Who doctor? Where do I begin with Xander Bogarts? One of the bigger busts um, among free agents this past season. Now, I want to talk really quickly about this core four since August um, and for the rest of the year. So by month, and this coming from Dennis Lynn of The Athletic, um, when it comes to their overall slash lines in WRC+, in March and April, they had a 116 WRC+, which wasn't great. It's not great, but it's not terrible beginning of the season. May, they had a 114 WRC+. June, they had a 132 WRC+, which might be the reason that the Padres started to play a tiny bit better in June. They got a little bit unlucky. They weren't great. And then July, a 140 WRC+, these big four, i.e. Tatis, Machado, Soto, and Bogarts. And that was easily the best record. In fact, I think they had the best record in the National League in July when these guys were hitting. And then in August, collectively, the big four have an 87 WRC+, together. That's right. After the trade deadline, after AJ Preller went out and said, we are buying, at least, you know, tepidly, buying at the deadline. They acquired G-Man Choi, Scott Barlow, Rich Hill, and Garrett Cooper. And they've been dreadful. They've been dreadful ever since then. And it's it's the big reason that I think that this Padres team has been so frustrating is that right every single time this year for a bunch of different reasons that the Padres look like they're trying to make a comeback, uh, start getting on a roll. They just don't. Right? I mean, everyone has talked about how they haven't won more than three games in a row basically all year. Actually, I, I think literally they haven't won more than three games in a row all year. I think the only time they came close was after they swept the Angels back in um, the July 4th weekend. But as a whole, they've been dreadful, and it's really frustrating to watch. And since August, like I mentioned those numbers before that I got a little bit mixed up, but Juan Soto having his like worst month of the season as of late – uh, with an 80 WRC plus, and Xander Bogarts having a 43 WRC plus with runners in scoring position is just absolutely insane. And by the way, those are only numbers in scoring position. They've still been quite bad with regular runners on base. 93 for Juan Soto, Trent Grisham, 58 WRC plus, Tatis, 91 WRC plus, uh, Bogarts, 86. The only ones that have been positive, which is insane to say. But ever since, with the season on the line, in August, post-deadline, all of the big four have a WRC plus below 100, and the best players on the team have been Gary Sanchez with a 135 WRC plus, and Hassan Kim with a 110, and Jay Cronenworth with a 109. That's just, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. That's the only way to put it. Um, and you might want to say that if you looked at expected um, stats, that the Padres have been getting a little bit unlucky. In fact, Dennis Lynn also attested to this that Juan Soto, the weighted on base versus the expected weighted on base, the difference between all these guys is pretty nuts uh, for the month of August. So they have been getting a little bit unlucky. Um, this table that he posted, Juan Soto, his WOBA, which by the way, just for clarification, weighted on base average is just a kind of a little bit of a better version of batting average. I'm not saying batting average is useless, but one of the problems with batting average is if you get a triple, 
it counts the same. It's adding to your average. You went two for four. They all count as hits, home runs, triples, doubles, right? Uh, single leading into a double, whatever it is, right? Hard hit balls, all that stuff that, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, they're batting 260, but what if it's only singles, right? And they're not slugging all that much. So that's why I think batting average can be a little bit uh, not the best. And the Padres stats for August, Juan Soto has a WOBA of 280, which isn't great. And his expected WOBA is 392, which is a 112 difference, which is absolutely nuts, uh, by the way, a negative difference in the case of Juan Soto. Fernando Tatis Jr., 290 weighted on base, 394 expected weighted on base. Then Manny Machado and Xander Bogarts, also not as great, but the difference not as crazy. Manny Machado is a 309 compared to expected of 357. Xander Bogarts, 300 with an expected of 339. So those guys aren't as crazy, but just shows you there has been some unfortunate luck in this. Um, and that's kind of what I want to emphasize. What I will emphasize when we talk about AJ Pro later in the week is that a lot of this is on players not performing. A lot of this is on players are not performing with runners in scoring position, etc. But there is a good amount of this where you're like, they have been getting almost historically unlucky uh, in a lot of ways, which is, dare I say, something to look forward to uh, for next season. Just hopefully that they can just, you know, play okay. And another note that I found interesting, the regulars likely are feeling a bit overworked, says Dennis Lynn. Five Padres have appeared in at least 125 games. No other team has more than four such players. Interesting. I think that's interesting. I think that speaks to the Padres' lack of depth. But even still... When you were looking at those stats by month amongst the big four, it's not a coincidence that right when they started hitting well, the Padres were playing better. So while, yes, there's a depth problem, the big four has a lot to answer for, um, a lot. In fact, I, I got some more scary numbers for you. With runners, let's go with um, specific runner situations, not just runners in scoring position, but runners on certain bases. So first and second, Wanso is hitting 191 this year. His on base is good at 393, but he's not driving anybody in which isn't great. And then first and third this year, he's hitting 133 with a 222 on base percentage. That's insane, but it's true. I know that that might blow your mind. It's crazy, right? And then in every other situation, Juan Soto has been pretty good. What I like, actually, fun little tidbit, with a 3-0 count, Juan Soto is, has not gotten a hit this year, but he has a 9-17 on base percentage, which is such a Juan Soto. It's not necessarily bad. I just think it emphasizes the guy will never swing on 3-0. Like, never. And I, I just think it's funny. And I bet you pitchers are like, screw this. I'm not trying to give him fastballs down the middle for him to kill. So, again, it's not an indictment on him. It's just funny. Um... Manny Machado, with runners on first and second this year, is hitting 229. That's right, hitting 229 with a 270 on base. He's got a 514 slugging because he had a, he's hit a couple doubles and some home runs, but overall has been pretty bad. Uh, with runner just a runner on second base, he's hitting 167. With runners on first and third, he's hitting 200. These numbers are nuts. I know. I'm very well aware of them. And we've got more crazy numbers for you coming up, guys, but we got to take just a quick break to hear from our sponsors. And we're back, everybody here on the Lockdown Padres podcast, talking about some more numbers, and we're going to keep it going. We're talking about, um, what's his face, Manny Machado, how bad he's been with runners on certain bases. And I mean certain bases. And I was mentioning before, you know, first and third, he's hitting 200, first and second, He's hitting 229, and then runner in second, second base, 
he's hitting 167. Just dreadful overall, like actively worse. And if you're wondering, oh, you know, if I got some Dodgers fans in my mentions, which have been happening a lot lately, again, I have no idea why the Dodgers fans act like they're the late 90s Yankees and have just dominated the league when my dad, who doesn't follow baseball closely, would just be like, yeah, don't they just blow it in the postseason every year? Enough. Get out of my channel. You guys are so weird. Um, but in terms of last year, in similar situations, Manny Machado was good. He hit 412 with runners on second base last year. He hit 250, which isn't great, with a 321, 438 uh, slugging percentage. Like, not terrible with first and second. And first and third, he hit 320. Like, this is new to this year. It shows you that Manny Machado, maybe he was a little bit too clutch last year, but that's regressed mightily this season. And I think that's what's been so frustrating is that we literally just saw him do well. The only player that's been pretty good with these certain scenarios has been Fernando Tatis Jr. Basically all across the board with the exception of runners on first. Uh, with a runner on second base, he's hitting 297. With runners on first and second, he's hitting 286. With runners on first and third, he's hitting 333. Tatis, while he has struggled, and a lot of that I think has been luck, uh, in fact, in terms of the overall season weighted on base versus expected weighted on base, he's third in the difference between the two i.e. he's been getting pretty unlucky with getting robbed from home runs, the Julio Rodriguez catch from a couple weeks ago. He has been getting unlucky, but even considering the unluckiness, kind of amazing that he's still been, even coming off the, the injuries and everything, a pretty clutch player. Like, he's been good in that regard. I know it doesn't always feel like it. He hasn't always been great at starting the things, and he swings on pitches very quickly. Um, and some of those, you know, fly balls that have been caught and whatnot. But even still, I still think that that says a lot about him as a player, that he's come back and hasn't been nearly as dreadful as the rest of these guys. And then you have Bogarts, who <laughs> with runners, the only situation this man has been good is a runner on second, and that's it, uh, where he's hitting 244 with a 380 on base. After that, ooh boy, it doesn't get great. On first and second this year, Xander Bogarts is hitting 105. I gotta be careful. I don't wanna lose it. I don't want I don't wanna snap. Not yet. You guys aren't seeing me grab a breakdown yet on camera. And then first and third, he's hitting 200. So those are just some further examples of how just unclutch the Padres Big Four has been this year. Just dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. And they should be um mocked. You know, I mean, ever since the trade deadline, you come up here and you just don't perform. Like AJ Preller like deserves a lot of blame. I keep saying we'll talk about him later this week, but it's true. Um, you look at these guys and you say, this is this is pretty remarkable um, how bad they've been. And I am wondering what it means for the future. I still remember when we had conversations about whether or not the Eric Hosmer misfire was going to cause Peter Seidler to pull back the reins and say, all right, you know what? Actually, let's not do this. I, I mean, now he's got that, but times four. You know what I mean? Or, or at least if you don't want to count Tatis, then times three. And if you don't want to count Soto since he's not under contract, then you at least have just two of that. In the case of Machado and Bogarts, who you just signed uh, to big deals, have been dreadful. And I just like... It is why I hesitate when people say we don't have depth. Now, that's a problem. I just mentioned earlier that the Padres have five players who have played, you know, 125 games. That's not great, right? Like, they haven't been able to, you know, find some depth to give some guys some days off. Albeit, I personally think at some point you should have just given Xander Bogarts a day off the way he's been hitting. That falls a little bit on Melvin and management as well. But I will say that, you know, yes, depth clearly matters here. However... 
when you look at some of the rest of these teams out there, if you told me, and I'll say I will say this a hundred times, if you told me the Padres finished like sixteenth in offense with runs scored and with runners on base, they were like eighteenth with runners in scoring position, if they were, you know, they, they finished eighteenth in home runs, whatever it is, if they were slightly below average, that would be disappointing. But I wouldn't have been like blown away because I would have been like, all right, that's classic Padres. They, you know, this happens with teams sometimes. The chemistry you can't always predict how they're gonna do in clutch situations. But to be the basically the worst team in the league when you take into account their players and that the only team that they hit better than with runners on base is the Royals, that's also unlucky. And that's not only a depth thing to me. Yes, I would like if we could give players like Machado and Bogarts more days off and Soto and etc. But I also think. That's still pretty obscene, those numbers, right? Because if the Padres just hit like a little bit below average in a lot of these areas, they would probably be above 500 right now. Like pretty, almost certainly they'd be above 500. There's definitely a multiverse, you know, not not to get all Spider-Man on y'all, but, you know, there's definitely a different multiverse where the Padres didn't necessarily win everything, but there's probably a good amount of them where I could peek through the hole and say, oh, wow, they're like 80, they're like seven, they're like a... What's a, what's a, what's what's an average looking record right now? I gotta give an example. Uh, the Twins, they're sixty nine and sixty three, or they are the Blue Jays seventy two and sixty, or the Red Sox sixty nine and sixty three, or maybe the Cubs. The Cubs have a really good run differential as well, just like us. Uh, they're sixty nine and sixty two. There's definitely a lot of universes where they had that record, and we were like, okay, a little bit disappointing. We weren't the, these world beaters that people expected, but then. Uh, they didn't do that. They did the worst case scenario. And to me, that's the problem here is the Padres always find a way to get into worst case scenario. Uh, they just are unable to ha- be, be, be normal. <laughs> you know what I mean? They cannot play a normal baseball game where it's like, oh, they didn't drive in runners there, but then they did it in the third. They didn't do it in the fifth, but then they did it in the sixth. Like they just refuse to be average. Always worst case scenario. And that's what you saw. Um, Manny Machado loses, loses cool over. And destroy the poor cooler, right? Like, they had a chance to come back. You scored one run there. And then it's bases loaded. And then Machado pops up. And same thing for Bogarts. Like, it's really frustrating. And Bogarts, like, when he swings the bat, it practically looks like he loses his life force after making contact. Right? Like, he's been rough to watch this year. And I'm hoping that they can fix that in the offseason. Or at least figure out what's been going on. But, man... I mean, just the vibes overall, it doesn't, it's amazing how boring, not boring, it's amazing how seemingly just uninteresting this team, if you were to watch these players without knowing who they were beforehand, they just haven't been that fun to watch, basically all year, with very little exception, with very little exception, they've been dreadful, um, and that's why when we talk about what are the problems with the Padres that I hesitate a little bit to blame everything on management because this is just, again, like unprecedented. Like it's it's too much in one direction. So people want to crap on the Padres for spending a lot of money. And I think that that's somewhat valid. My thing has always been you spent too much money at once. Um, I do not like having four guys that are going to be on the team for 10 years. I'm sorry. Like I just don't like that. I don't care if they're good either. Uh, especially since this is a team that hasn't gone super far. And it's not like they've won two World Series in a row and the owner said, ah, screw it, let's just extend them all for whatever, they're heroes, right? Like, no, they're just really good players that you're hoping are going to take you to the promised land, but they haven't done that yet, right? So 
That's what I don't like. I don't like that you trade all of your farm system for Juan Soto, and then you make literally every single move possible in the offseason except for extending him. Um, I, told, I You guys can go back and look up. My offseason wish list was extend um, Juan Soto, and then it was sign Michael Conforto, and then I believe I said that I wanted some starting pitcher. I didn't care which one. Um, like any starting pitcher would have been great. I think Seth Lugo was on there and that turned out right. I, I was wrong about Waka. I was wrong about him, but you know, that's all I really wanted. I thought that that would have been great. And you would have said, all right, let's build the farm, see if we can get anybody to the deadline be okay. And they didn't do that. And I admire that they're going for it. I think that this is, um, this is where my bias comes out. I do think it is bad for baseball that the Padres have been unsuccessful. I think it's really bad. I think this has been overall a bad year for the sport. Um, in terms of teams that are trying to win that haven't. Now, don't get me wrong, not everybody's has been dreadful. The Rangers, right? But if the Rangers get bats round one, that's bad for baseball, I think. I do. I think that it's in everyone's best interest that teams that spend a lot do well, or at the very minimum, don't do horribly, right? So I don't think it's good that a team like the Brewers that hasn't added since I was in high school, and they have a free division every year, but then they don't spend and they trade away their best players like Josh Ader, that they're winning that division. I don't think it's good that the New York Mets have the highest payroll in history and are selling at the deadline. I think that that's really bad. Same thing for the Padres. Same thing for all these other teams. The I think now it's hilarious and I'm enjoying it, but it's bad for the sport when the Yankees don't succeed. It's bad for the sport when the Angels completely fall apart and we don't get Otani and Trout on the playoffs. It's bad. I feel like we've had a lot of bad for the sport moments this year. I really do. I do. Um, they're not entirely right. The Dodgers, the Rangers, they spend big money and they're doing successful. Mookie Betts literally might win the MVP at this rate. Um, but I think it's bad. I really do. Um, I don't think it's a mistake to invest this much. I think it's a mistake to have invested all this much at once when you haven't really won anything yet. I, I think that that was the mistake. Not even counting, by the way, the Cronenworth, Darvish, Suarez, Carpenter, uh, contracts, you know what I mean? Like not even counting those. I think that it was a little bit irresponsible to be throwing out all that money at once and overly committing to one season, in my opinion, or overly committing to the next two seasons, whatever you want to call it, when there's still so many questions and whatnot. Um, but yeah, the Padres big four, man, and it's been bad. I mean, Bogarts just looks dreadful. He looks unhappy. You had the comment a month or so ago, with Juan Soto saying it looks, it's like we just give up. Now he walked those comments back a little bit, but probably because he's getting some crap maybe from teammates and whatnot. But he wasn't wrong, man. Like he wasn't wrong. It does feel like the Padres players give up. I'm not saying they do, but they look rough out there. And the big four is a big part of that because all they had to, do, you're getting paid this much. They're the best players. I there are so many other teams that have performed better than the Padres and not losing one run games every single time uh, that have worse lineups particularly the top four. So when you want to come at me with depth, my thing is like, yeah, I agree. But like they had Gary Sanchez and Campuzano turn out okay. They've gotten decent returns from Hassan Kim. He's been great. I understand the rest of the lineup isn't great. I do. But, and then they got Garrett Cooper who who came in and did a lot more for them. But Garrett Cooper and G-Man Choi being brought in and seeing like no difference and the rest of the team um, falling apart, not firing on all cylinders. It's so frustrating that the Padres starting pitching. Uh, you know, we'll be on fire. Blake Snell will be awesome, and they will still barely win those games. Right when one player starts heating up like a Jake Cronenworth, who we've been waiting to heat up or at least become somewhat like what he used to be those past few seasons, then all the big four fall apart. So that's what's really frustrating is that the, this Padres team 
it's more than just depth and being um, constructed poorly. It's that they just refuse to execute all year. And it is maddening. And it is why I've said on the pod, look, if you got things to do and you got to take care of some work, don't watch the Padres, man. And that doesn't make you a bad fan. That makes you saying, I, I can't do this right now. I got other things I'd rather be doing that make me happy. And this team, I'm not, I don't think that that's bad. I really don't. I don't understand this blind loyalty that we have for baseball teams and teams in general sometimes where it's, especially teams that are just not trying, right? Like, I don't understand why you're a bad Rockies fan, for example, if you've decided, like, I'm not watching them right now because they are just incompetent and terrible. I would get that. If you said that about any other team, if you said that about the A's before they got sold, if you said that about whatever, um, then I'd be like, yeah, I totally understand. And I think that it's fair and you're valid. Um, But yeah, guys, just really rough across the board. I just want to emphasize poorly constructed, but when you have these guys at the top of your lineup, it shouldn't be mattering that much. If you don't have, you know, all stars and you don't have a James Outman and you don't have a, you know, Orlando Arcia lurking at the bottom of your lineup. These guys just had to be okay. And they were less than okay. They were miserable basically all year. And it stinks because I like them. But individually, the Bogarts contract, pretty rough. Manny Machado extension, oh, we want to keep him because maybe the Mets will be going after him. Now all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, maybe you wish you didn't extend him immediately. Really rough. Really rough. But ladies and gentlemen, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to your podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, and at L-O underscore Padres. If you want the YouTube um, show, if you want to watch it on YouTube, obviously just type in Lockdown Padres on YouTube. Rest of the week, tomorrow doing a draft with Miller Thomas. We're talking more Padres to an extent. We're talking NL West, and we're doing another draft. What's the draft? Well, it relates to the Padres. That's all I'll tell you. It relates to the Padres. May or may not have to do with the worst blanks in the league. So that's what's looking uh, on the docket for tomorrow's show. And then the day after, what are we thinking here? Why don't we talk a little bit of um, a little bit of Giants? Might be talking with Ben Kaspik over at Lockdown Giants, doing a little preview there. And then for Friday, I think we've got to talk about AJ Preller on Friday. What do you guys think? Yeah, yeah. And there's so many other ideas I have, by the way. Again, I want to try and make this podcast not just game recaps. So that's why I didn't talk about last night's game. I guess shouts to Blake Snell, who is potentially a Cy Young winner. Again, and we're terrible. But you get my point, guys. With that all being said. Stay safe. And of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies. Take care.